0: Just because this is going to be nothing but starting articles, I thought we should still get an intro article to kind of talk about. This one, just came out of San Francisco from the Associated Press, AP News, November 29th, 2022. Article title, San Francisco will allow police to deploy robots that can kill.
1: Oh no, you stole one of my intros.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, I can give you another one. Supervisor in San Francisco voted Tuesday to give police the ability to use potentially lethal remote-controlled robots in emergency situations following an emotionally charged debate that reflected divisions on the politically liberal board over support for law enforcement. The vote of 8-3, with the majority agreeing to grant the police the option despite strong objections from civil liberties and other police oversight groups, opponents said the authority would lead to further militarization of a police force already too aggressive with poor minority communities. I think that's good enough for right now. I don't think we got to talk much more about it. Chelsea, do you have anything to say about it?
1: Oh, not other than robots are the future, I guess.
0: My one issue is that this was supposed to happen in Detroit first, and it was also supposed to be a cyborg that was, of course, a police officer that was killed on the job and then reissued as a robot later on. What?
1: It's Robocop come to life.
0: Yeah, but in San Francisco and not a cyborg, just a robo. <laughs>
1: Uh, Eventually we'll all be robots.
0: Yep, being killed by the robo-police. Yep. Anyhow, let's get to this episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, a podcast more popular than Kanye West. Although that has nothing, of course, to do with what we're doing. More so how shitty of a person he turns out to be. We are your less shitty host because you know less about us, Taylor and Chelsea, here today to review the year that was, 2022. A lot of things happened this year, some of them on this podcast. And of course, those things that happened on this podcast continue to happen after we talked about them. And this is the time of the year we like to sit back and reflect on what was the year of 2022. And we are, of course, going to take turns going through our episodes. I think it'll be good fun. Chelsea, what do you think?
1: Well, I hope so. That's why I'm here for fun.
0: That's why we do these episodes.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's not because we hate them. (laughs) But I think we got a lot to get through, so I think we're just going to kind of start. Easiest way to do it is going to be a rotation system where I do one, you do one. Yeah. And we'll just go from there. To start off, I'm going to give you an update on Steven Donziger. Earliest time we talked about him is in the episode called The Ecuador Case that was back in 2020
1: one a long time ago
0: it really was
1: season one
0: last time we heard he was sent to jail as far as i can remember he might have come up after but that's uh, the last i kind of remember here's an article titled chevron adversary stephen donziger appeals conviction to u.s supreme court by clark mindock and it is on reuters it was published september 20th 2022 Donziger told the U.S. Supreme Court that the court-appointed lawyer who prosecuted him were acting without supervision from the Department of Justice or other executive branch officers, which violates principles of separation of power. The Harvard Law graduate, who received six-month jail sentence for misdemeanor contempt in addition to over 900 days of house arrest, said that the case has broader implications... Beyond his conviction. If left standing, the rationale of the two lower courts would sow confusion about the authority of judicially appointed prosecutors and create a constitutional no man's land between the branches. Kaplan said in his decision that Donziger had secured that judgment after bribing the judge, ghostwriting a court opinion and environmental report, tampering with witnesses and extortion. That's, of course, his case in Ecuador against Chevron that they're talking about. Hmm. Chevron then sought to recoup the money from the attorney and Kaplan charged him with contempt in 2019 after he refused to turn over his electronic devices to the California-based company Forensic Experts to review. The U.S. attorney in Manhattan declined to prosecute those charges, setting a lack of resources which prompted Kaplan to appoint a private lawyer. U.S. District Judge Loretta Preska found Donziger guilty in six misdemeanor contempt charges in July of 2021 and sentenced the attorney to six months in prison. Donziger was released in April after a combined 993 days of house arrest and 45 days in prison, a detainment that was decreed by human rights campaigners, Congressional Progressive Caucus, and the United Nations High Commission on Human Rights.
1: 993? That's like three years.
0: Yeah, that's three years in house arrest
1: holy crap
0: yeah he was in there a long time and am he's out of jail at this point but that was ridiculous yeah and he just kind of wants it expunged a federal appeals court upheld the conviction in june and a split decision with Circuit Judge Michael Park writing for the majority that the lower court had the authority to appoint a prosecutor, who are then subject to supervision by the U.S. Attorney General. And then I do have one other article I just wanted to put to see what else he's doing right now. Stephen Donziger says criminalize ecocide to help save the planet. It's an article from Common Dreams. It was published October 1st, November 22nd, 2022, and it is written by Jessica Corbett. Stephen Donziger, the American human rights attorney targeted by big oil for his work in support of indigenous people impacted by fossil fuel pollution on Tuesday presented five legal solutions for the worsening climate emergency. The right combination of legal changes happening quickly can catalyze progress. He stated, it's all too easy to feel overwhelmed and helpless in the face of such widespread catastrophe, but we as citizens can do something right now. Donziger wrote in a Tuesday column for The Guardian on the heels of COP27 climate summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Together, alongside increased citizen activism, those ideas can begin to provide a coherent and comprehensive legal framework for all of us to help save the planet, Donziger argued. His first proposal, make ecocide an international crime. There has been growing global support for doing just that. In July, international lawyers published a legal definition of the term, declaring that ecocide means unlawful or wanton acts committed with knowledge that there is a substantial likelihood of severe and either widespread or long-term damage to the environment being caused by those acts. The attorney's second solution is to enact a fossil fuels non-proliferation treaty. International support for this idea has also grown in recent months. The lawyer further argued that humanity must protect the Amazon headwaters, noting that a quiet legal revolution is being led by indigenous peoples in the Amazon countries of Brazil, Ecuador, Venezuela, and Peru. And his final legal solution is a binding climate reparation. Specifically, he proposed a treaty requiring each wealthy country to pay a fixed amount proportionate to its gross domestic product into a fund administered by a neutral party with actual representation from the small countries. effective by warming temperatures and the negative impacts resulting from the climate crisis so he's been up to a lot that i think is a good enough update for right now i'm sure this is not the last we'll hear of stephen donsinger
1: i just have a quick question and maybe this is answered on the other question so he was found in contempt of the court so this was something completely different from the actual trial he was on is that trial gonna continue
0: i believe that trial is done But I didn't actually look at that for this. I'm pretty sure it finished up, though, and he was found guilty. And that's part of this. The fact that the contempt was he was in house arrest for it was outside of the fact that he was found guilty of basically masterminding the case in Ecuador.
1: What? That's crazy.
0: And it's more so the case in Ecuador that's actually being brought to the higher courts right now. Okay. Like, it was just a mess. that's what I was
1: asking. If
0: you want to learn more about it, please go listen to the Ecuador case. It explains a lot of what we're talking
1: about. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an update. We'd be doing a whole new episode. Well, we already did that episode, so no episode to do. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs)
0: Hey, look at us.
1: (laughs) Okay, that's me now, right? Yes. Okay, you know what would have been helpful if I wrote down the episodes that we're updating? But I'll leave that up to the listener to go find what one we did this on. Or hopefully you remember, so then you don't have to do all that work. Maybe just remember what episode it is. I have an update on JFK. The JFK, what were they doing? Like trying to get the records released or something like that?
0: biden was hiding that shit in his attic
1: yeah do i have any updates on that no not really november 2022 i found an article on politico.com says newly released internal correspondence from the national archives and records administration reveals that behind the scenes there has been a fierce bureaucratic war over the documents in recent years these are the jfk documents just in case i lost you hitting the archives against the cia fbi and other agencies that want to keep them secret. Correspondence obtained under the Freedom of Information Act shows that the archives have tried and often failed to insist that other agencies comply with the 1992 law by declassifying more documents. struggle was especially fierce in 2017 when then-presidential Donald Trump sided with the CIA and FBI and agreed to waive a supposedly concrete legal deadline that year to release all classified documents related to the JFK assassination. Last year, President Joe Biden ordered another review on the documents to allow more to be made public this December. Officials involved in the declassification process say they are optimistic that a large batch of documents will be made public next month. Internal correspondence from the archives helps resolve one lingering mystery about the documents. In their negotiations with the White House and the archives in recent years, how have the CIA, FBI, and the Pentagon and other agencies justified keeping any secrets about a a turning point in American history that occurred decades ago, an event that has always inspired corrosive conspiracy theories about government complicity." And so with that, that's no updates really. That's the same information you already had. And that's it.
0: Hey, look at that. <laughs> On to the next update. <laughs> that update was there is no update. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long no update. Hey, you guys all remember this guy named Julian Assange. I can't remember the episode we talked about him in, but the last time we left off, this fellow who was being extradited from Great Britain to the US for charges under the espionage act.
1: Didn't he have a stroke or something? Was that the update? He had
0: many medical issues that were brought yeah. about basically for being over a decade in isolation. Yeah, I think that would really catch up really with is. you. This article isn't necessarily an update on him specifically, but it is an update <laughs> on his situation. Is that the theme of this episode? Yes, We're giving of no There's No updates, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this article came out of the newspaper Le Monde. That is a fairly famous French newspaper. It means the world. I know that because I am fancy like that.
1: <laughs> that is how you like to say the
0: world. Yes, Le Monde. <laughs> I shall take over <laughs> Le <Mans. laughs>
1: You say that so much.
0: I do. Picking the brain was all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Article title, media outlets call to end Julian Assange persecution for disclosing secrets. You could have found this on many different websites. I chose Le Mans because it's the, one of the ones I wouldn't usually use. This also includes New York Times, The Guardian, El Pays, and Der Spiegel are the five websites. This published on November 29, 2022 oh, with no specific author, just because it's all these websites Cablegate, a set of 251,000 confidential cables from the US State Department disclosed corruption, diplomatic scandals spy affairs on international scale in the words of the New York Times, the documents told the unvarnished story of how the government makes its biggest decisions, the decisions that cost the country the most heavily in lives and money. Even now, in 2022, journalists and historians continue to publish new revelations using the unique trove of documents. For Julian Assange, publisher of WikiLeaks, the publication of CableGate and several other related leaks had the most severe consequences. On April 11th, 2019, Assange was arrested in London on a U.S. arrest warrant and has now been held for three years. and a half years in a high-security British prison usually used for terrorists and members of organized crime groups. He faces extradition to the US and a sentence of up to 175 years in an American maximum security prison. This group of editors and publishers, all of whom had worked with Assange, felt the need to publicly criticize his conduct in 2011 when unredacted copies of the cables were released. And some of us are concerned about the allegations in the indictment that he attempted to aid in the computer intrusion of a classified database. But we come together now to express our grave concern about the continued prosecution of Julian Assange for obtaining and publishing classified materials. The Obama-Biden administration in office during the WikiLeaks publication in 2010 refrained from indicting Assange, explaining that they would have had to indict journalists from major news outlets too. Their position placed a premium on press freedom despite its uncomfortable consequences. Under Donald Trump, however, the position changed. The DOJ relied on an old law, the Espionage Act of 1917, which hilariously is what Donald Trump is now being charged under because he gave it much more authority than it used to have. <laughs> which has never been used to prosecute a publisher or broadcaster. This indictment sets a dangerous precedent and threatens to undermine America's First Amendment and the freedom of press, holding governments accountable is part of the core mission of a free press in a democracy. Obtaining and disclosing sensitive information when necessary and the public interest is a core part of the daily work of journalists. If that work is criminalized, our public discourse and our democracies are made significantly weaker. That is where that one ends. So there has been multiple newspapers have kind of reached out and said hey we publish the exact same shit he should not be prosecuted for it because we all technically would then be prosecuted for it so we'll see what happens
1: Well, that's doing I'm a solid
0: yeah and the fact that they're talking about this the fact that Trump is the one who pushed this forward not Biden and the fact that Obama said we're not going to prosecute under this it gives a good hope that Biden will actually come to a good idea and say no we're not going to prosecute him any further
1: well that would make sense
0: so fingers crossed this one gets sorted it out but that's where we are right now
1: that was a good update well it might need further updating.
0: it will need further update it, it is for 20 i 20, hope 30. it doesn't just somehow <laughs> end here
1: Okay, my update. Suffice to say, you might already be updated on this one, and I probably don't have to tell you. But I'm just going to give you a little update on this one anyway, because it was a big one from our update last year. And we had a few updates throughout the year on this. Probably the last update we're going to be doing on this one, the queen Ed What? Yeah, sorry if I'm the one to break that news Spoiler to you. Spoiler
0: alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, I could keep going unless we want to move on to the next one and then keep the next update, but I could keep going with Royal <laughs> I
0: feel like we did say this at one point on the podcast, so that's not really an update per se at this point.
1: I don't know if we actually said it, said it. We, we alluded all we
0: to
1: again. it. <laughs> He's dead. Okay, next update we're looking for. British Andy, alive. Much to the dismay of probably everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except the Queen's Corgis. <laughs> they seem to like the guy
1: (laughs) it's true it's true we all know it's true the royalty wants him dead like they'd be much better off if
0: you No living human wants this guy around no
1: nobody does so i do have an update on him from an article labeled or named article headline titled titled prince andrew furious as three million armed police protection to be scrapped in weeks first of all why is this guy worth three million in armed police protection first of all
0: honestly that's his entire net worth is just going into police protection during this time.
1: Yeah, why they would still pay for that? I mean, they could get rid of him easily. Easily if they don't want him alive. <laughs> Anyhow, that's I, a different you update. gotta
0: assume he knows some sort of secret.
1: Oh yeah, yes so. I mean, if he even knows this, oh yeah, and they think he would we, uh-huh. why not just off him? They've offed other people. That's another update. Anyhow, I'm gonna go on to but the Then article. who would take
0: care of the corgis?
1: <laughs> that's true, that's true. Maybe no Nobody wants to take care of it. It's a really
0: intricate That's the cards they got going.
1: Okay, fuming Prince Andrew is seething with officials after he was told they would no longer pay millions of pounds each year to fund his armed police protection. It has been claimed. I don't know why the public isn't fuming that these are tax dollars being paid for his protection.
0: So are now all of his protective police officers armless?
1: Yes, they took their arm. Yes.
0: It's so much cheaper. Oh, it's so much cheaper.
1: <laughs> the Duke of York who stepped away from his royal duties. Stepped oh, so away well, as if yes.
0: That is a very <laughs> weird way to explain as if He that. was
1: taking a break. It was. It was very I I thought I proofread this, but okay, so he stepped away. <laughs> some royal duties. Taking, I know he's taking a break and <laughs> mists the Jeffrey Epstein sex scandal. enjoys taxpayer funded guards whenever he leaves the grounds of Windsor. Okay, that is a great sentence right there. That's been Did they also together.
0: say that he told his mother he no longer needs a birthday party because he's a big boy? <laughs>
1: But this is expected to be removed by mid-December, with ministers looking to save the estimated 3 million pounds a year that goes towards his protection. Wait, what's
0: what's towards being removed? His, his protection or just British Andy in general?
1: We would hope it's British Andy, but much to the dismay of probably everyone in royalty right now, he's staying. They're removing his protection. Okay. We'll see what happens to British Andy. Sources said Andrew, 62, demanded that he keep his 3 million per year private
0: security. However,
1: his older brother King Charles III <laughs> did not oblige. I'd be
0: interested in the
1: taxpayers who have
0: happens to king. <laughs> said, no, yeah. you do not get
1: that. I'd be interested to hear what the taxpayers have yeah. to say.
0: Who else will hang out with him other than the armed guards who are required? <laughs> God, what a guy. The
1: Saving Royal is reportedly set to register an official complaint in a bid to get the security back, a source told the paper. He is going to write to the home office and the Met Police to complain about losing his taxpayer-funded security, they said.
0: Yeah, in lieu of his mom not being one, he can complain to at this point. He uh, yeah. he went with more she, official records. She routes. gave
1: him everything. She was an enabler, if you remember. Prince Andrew, who saw his royal reputation badly tarnished following a bombshell BBC interview that infamously saw him claim he didn't sweat, was stripped of the title, his royal highness, and all his military honors. I thought he stepped away. This is news to me. Yeah. He is reported to have paid a whopping $7 million to sex accuser Virginia Jeffrey and an out-of-court settlement that saw her drop the case. I really think she should have kept going. I would have been interested to see what happened there. Duke of York has always strongly denied any allegation of wrongdoing that has been made against him. If we recall, in January 2022, Queen Elizabeth II made the decision to strip her son of his official duties after details of his friendship with Epstein and Merge, etc, etc.
0: Yeah, she always liked to downplay everything. It was only a small relationship. It was only little girls that he was meeting.
1: Yep. Removing Prince Andrew's royal duties meant the prince would not ascend to senior royal status. The king, that still feels wrong to say.
0: King Chuck. Just call him King Chuck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> has also made a new change to the pool of counsellors with whom the king can rely. Changing up the royal family roles, naming extra counsellors with Princess Anne and Prince Edward added to the pool, as the king himself noted, would ensure continued efficiency of public business when I'm unavailable. This has effectively removed Prince Andrew and Prince Harry from the role. I just have to make a side note. All these articles that I read, they're comparing British Andy and Prince Harry. I just don't think that they should be held to the same level just because both like they both compared them to the same. Like they both had their protection removed and they've <laughs> both been taken down from the royal family rules. Yeah, I, I feel um, like I don't think it's the same.
0: Comparison. I, I feel like they were for distinctly different reasons that they had their yeah. protection removed.
1: One a not-proven sex offender.
0: Yeah, and the other one moved to Canada because the family was very Mental racist against even. his spouse.
1: Uh, yeah, so... <laughs>
0: Basically the same thing.
1: Yeah, I they're a little <laughs> bit different. Yeah. There was another article I didn't include in here, but I'm just going to give it a little shout out that his daughter's Princess Beatrice, I believe. And she's left the country with her new husband just because there's a lot of shit happening with British Andy and her mom, which is his ex-wife who's divorced. Yeah, don't they have to take um,
0: care of the corgis together?
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of weird things with her too. She was kind of outcast from the royal family when she was Photographed having her toes sucked by <laughs> her financial advisor or something oh, like that. okay. Yeah, it's super strange. So, I mean, it kind of makes you be like, oh, that's why they were married. Not sure why they're divorced now, British and. Because she her. has old toes. But yeah, so Princess Beatrice kind of left because she was like, my parents are real fucked up right now and the new guy that the mom is seeing went to the media recently about something i didn't get into it but i thought it was funny that she left the country because of all this going on with her messed up family and that's my update on
0: that I can also add to this point although kind of a totally useless human being King Chuck who cannot clear a desk to save his life did outlaw frogwa from being served at Buckingham Palace because it's cruel to animals.
1: I did read that as well I did I was pleasantly surprised with yeah, that
0: but totally useless human being I just need to add that like he cannot do human things you watch him oh, no, not completely. giving proclamations like if there's a pen on his desk that's not supposed to be there he doesn't know what to do he has to get his assistant <laughs> It's bizarre.
1: But as a royal, how would you know how to do that?
0: It is true. (laughs) And to be perfectly honest, some of the decrees that he has made as a royal have been fairly good because he does believe in climate change and he does believe in the ethical treatment of animals. Overall, not terrible. Not my king, but I'm not in government, so I don't have to give a oath to him. So there we are.
1: It's true. It's still a weird thing to say King.
0: Yeah, King Chuck.
1: That's the royal update. Okay,
0: now we've all been talking about Gabriel Wartman for a while, dating back all the way to our first season with the episode titled, What Are Those Horse Boys Up To? The Gabriel Wartman Story. That
1: means RCMP.
0: What has been going on with this? Yes, the Horse Boys are the RCMP, and the Gabriel Wartman story <laughs> is super bizarre. It is the largest mass shooting in Canadian history. There has been a commission going on for a long time. We gave an update on it as we was going during this year. The commission has finally ended. The final written submissions for the Mass Casualty Commission are replete with suggestions, demands, and recriminations over how the events of April 18th and April 19th, 2020, and their aftermath could have been handled differently. The shooting rampage in rural Nova Scotia left 22 people dead, as well as the gunman who was eventually killed by police. The public hearings into the mass shooting, which began in February and ran until September, have already heard many of the assertions raised in the written submissions. Lawyers representing families of 21 of the victims used their final words to the commission, to repeat their concerns about issues like communication regarding the police response. There are two recurring themes on that topic, that the RCMP did a poor job of warning the public of the gunman Gabriel Ortman, and that there wasn't enough information provided to the victim's families or other members of the public in the immediate aftermath about whether their loved ones had survived. Lawyers for the family of Gina Goulet, the gunman's last victim, went so far as to say that had police done a better job of warning the public, she would have survived. The families, through their lawyer, also voiced skepticism about whether any recommendation the commissions make be implemented. They cite the failure to act on recommendations stemming from past mass casualty events in Mayor Alberta and Moncton, New Brunswick. In both of those cases, all the victims were Mounties. Lawyers from Patterson Law, the firm that represents most of the families, were critical of the commission itself. They said it sometimes appeared rudderless, delving into subjects that were not directly related to the April 2020 rampage. They pointed out that the commission came about in large part because of intense lobbying by the families, who later felt marginalized by some of the proceedings. It is important to note that the victims and survivors of the crime must not be infantilized by the police or protected from information in the guise of being trauma-informed, Patterson Law wrote. Their submission says that the families questioned why some witnesses, particularly Wartman's spouse Lisa Banfield and senior Mounties including Staff Sergeant Brian Rehill and Staff Sergeant Al Carroll were accorded special treatment when they testified, which the lawyer's They precluded more effective questioning. By denying them the opportunity to question Banfield directly, some of the conspiracy theories surrounding her role that weekend got more traction, the lawyers say. RCMP staff sergeant, the families also feel trauma-informed lens was not applied equally, the submission says, and in dissecting the Mounties' perceived shortcomings that weekend Patterson law noted it cannot be forgotten that the perpetrator was ultimately thwarted by an empty gas tank and coincidence not by master strategy the final report of the commission will be out in march of 2023 so we'll have an update in early 2023 hopefully
1: well probably at the year end update 2023.
0: yeah yeah more likely than that depending on how interesting <laughs> everything has been up until then
1: that's true that's true okay is it it's your time turn. for the yes. next update? Yes. Okay, this one's on. I know this one's fresh in everybody's mind. Well, kind of, because by the time we get to this one, you know, it's not going to be so fresh. This one's the Mothman. Turneth againeth. Chicago O'Hare's airport has its very own Mothman, if you recall. So here's an update on the most recent sighting of Chicago O'Hare Mothman. Manuel Neverate. Neverett? A UFO clearinghouse recently received the following report from a woman who claimed that she and her friend encountered a creature with bright red eyes and a big black body while parked at a construction site near Chicago's O'Hare International Airport around 10 p.m. March 2022. Well, that's kind of racist. This is the most recent I could find. Yeah. <laughs> I was out driving around with a guy I had just started talking to. So already we're, uh, we're at it, we're we're starting the article, just go. (laughs) Yeah, we're reading the article. We were out by the airport, just cruising around, listening to music and getting to know one another. Decided to park to smoke some bud and one thing led to another. These stories, these kids. We were in the back seat (laughs) when he looked up and started screaming, (laughs) what the fuck, (laughs) over and over again. (laughs)
0: Open the window, we gotta talk talk to the sky <laughs> yeah
1: it was then that we felt like something bumped into the side of the car like when someone slammed up against the side of your ride this report i wish i could have find a more recent report i sat up and saw a pair of bright red eyes and a big black body looking into the driver's side window into the back seat i also like how she was so honest about how this was a guy she just started talking to and then they're in the back seat. they got really high Anyhow. and they went to the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it scared the hell out of both of us. And we both started screaming out loud this thing kept looking into the car and then it just disappeared a security guard shows up then two more show up they made us get out of the car and started asking us why we were there after looking at us they start asking about what we had seen I told them and they screamed at us to get dressed and leave never said after some convincing he was able to speak with the witness over the phone quote i contacted the witness via email and after much assurance she agreed to an interview over the phone he said called and spoke with the woman whom he described as a 20 year old Hispanic woman her companion that evening he said was a 26 year old man and also Hispanic no one was around at the site giving the late hour and the couple decided to park near the entrance but still out of the way to avoid law enforcement that's the update and you know the other thing that I came across when I was reading these articles I don't know that I actually included in the Chicago O'Hare sightings all the reports of pilots seeing Mothman but those were too old so I was giving an update date, this is the most recent, and the um, the pilot eyewitness accounts are from a couple years ago, so I wasn't about to put those in the update episode. No, that might um, actually but... be
0: its own episode in 2023.
1: Yeah, there you have it. There's my update on the Mothman, and it's just another one. We had one of those in the most recent Mothman episode. The Mothman may also be a sexual predator who knows Jeffrey Epstein.
0: More likely than not. It may in fact be a British Dandy, that the it the might pillow on that
1: we can't we can't rule that out we cannot confirm
0: time. nor deny that one
1: we cannot no and if we brought it up we might get beat
0: up or nobody has seen the <laughs> <Yeah. sweats. laughs>
1: that would settle it
0: okay moving on <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) You guys all remember the James Webb Space Telescope, right? We talked about it in the second of the What Are Those Horse Boys Up To, the Mr. Big Saga. It is to replace the Hubble Space Telescope. I found an interesting article I thought would give us a good update on it. This one came from Space.com, Artemis 1 Moon Mission squeezing communications with James Webb Space Telescope. Two major NASA missions that have launched in the past year are revealing a communication weakness in space. NASA communicates with all of its distant spacecrafts. From the Orion capsule to the James Webb Space Telescope, to Voyager 1, through the Deep Space Network, a collection of 14 antennas located at three sites in California, Spain, and Australia. But the network is busy, and ensuring that every mission beyond Earth orbit has the communication time it needs can be tricky. An issue with Artemis 1 mission has exacerbated And I don't know, have you been following Artemis 1, Chelsea? No. Basically, they're thinking they're going to go back to the moon in a couple years, so this was a rocket they launched to kind of test the capsule and everything else with regards to that. Okay. It went successful. It's coming back right now, but this is something that's come from it. We were told over the summer that when the Artemis space mission launched, the deep space network was going to be basically fully taken by Artemis because they needed to keep track of the spaceship. Mercedes Lopez Morales, an astrophysicist at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics and the chair of the James Wood Space Telescope User's Committee, told a meeting of the U.S. National Academies of Science's Board of Physics and astronomy on Wednesday, November 30th. Wow, that was a lot of words to not really explain a lot. So many titles. The time came on November 16th when NASA launched Artemis 1, a test flight to kick off the agency's return to the moon. The 25-day mission sent an uncrewed Orion capsule to lunar orbit and is scheduled to splash down on Earth on December 11th. While Orion is in flight and beyond low Earth orbit, it's in near constant contact with Deep Space Network, a major drain that has put the James Webb Space Telescope and other missions in the backseat. NASA has known Artemis would strain the Deep Space Network. The agency arranged upgrades to some antennas and added new ones in January 2021 and March 2022 in preparation. But communications time is still scarce. It could be up to 80 hours, that's about three and a half days of no contact with James Webb's telescope at all. James Webb's Space Telescope, scientists usually send commands to the $10 billion observatory about once a week, she told the board. So infrequent communications doesn't affect the observatory, getting its instructions. But for astronomers to actually enjoy Webb's power, the telescope needs to be able to beam home its data and do so before its computer fills up. The big issue is that you cannot download data for that long. For Artemis One, she said, The Space Telescope Science Institute in Maryland, which operates both James Webb Space Telescope and the Hubble Space Telescope, rejiggered James Webb observing schedule, and scientists prioritized shorter observations, which create smaller batches of data to reduce the chances of the telescope computer filling up before the Deep Space Network can accept the next batch of data. But because NASA plans additional Artemis launches, and these with humans aboard, in 2024 and beyond, scientists want a different solution to the communications logjam final quote and end of the article we are desperately asking nasa to come up with a plan to somehow have more access to antennas lopez morales said so there may be an issue actually getting use of the space telescopes just because of the other priorities nasa has going forward but this is something that they spent billions of dollars on they really need to make sure it can actually be used for what it needs to be
1: Yeah, I was just thinking it seems like both should be prioritized in their own right and not one over the other.
0: NASA falls victim to budgetary issues, specifically with whoever's president at the time. So whoever's president at the time wants to make sure that their use of money actually makes sure it's being used, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So whoever's is. present at the time, they'll want to make sure like, they prioritize whatever thing they're trying to put forth, say somebody going to the moon.
1: Super bizarre.
0: Yeah. I just want to get this out of the way. I found a couple articles on this, but most of them said that they're technically copyrighted, so I shouldn't just read them word for word. Those assholes who does that. We talked about the collapsing of the apartment building in Miami in, I believe it was November of 2021. It might have been October of
1: 2021. No, that one would have been in the summer because we talked about that when I was on vacation.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I did find a few articles on this. It's not necessarily an update on that, but it's an update on the insurance issues in Florida in general. And that is is that people are seeing significant hikes in their insurance premiums up to tens of thousands of dollars per year because basically they're finding that climate change is leading to more climate issues that are affecting Florida which is only about three inches above the ocean on average so that's a joke but only slightly basically they're realizing that the entire state is going to sink into the ocean they don't want to pay for it so they're making it almost impossible to actually get insurance in the state. That is not the only reason that insurance is getting untenable in the state it's also insurance fraud and lawsuits. If you want to learn more about it, there are some interesting articles on it. I couldn't find one I could actually read to you. That's where that one ends. Chelsea, it is your turn. now.
1: Damn it. They're all copyrighted. Yeah,
0: I know. It was ridiculous.
1: Okay, next up, I'm about to depress everyone, so I'm hoping that Taylor, and my timing, also makes for a nice and cheerful update on the next one on his turn. I have the never satisfying update on climate change headlines, and these are all very recent articles. We'll read half of them right now, then we'll take a break from the depressiveness, because let me tell you, putting these all together, not fun, and then we'll come back after a brief break and then I'll read you the rest just so that you don't forget the depressingness of what's going on. And no, I didn't put anything nice happening to offset this. These are all from like the last couple of weeks, FYI. So let's begin. First one, officials fear complete doomsday scenario for drought stricken Colorado River. Next one, Global News says 20% of species in Canada are at risk of extinction. Next, sea levels are expected to rise around the contiguous U.S. faster than previously thought, a new NASA study finds. By 2050, sea levels along the coastlines of the contiguous U.S. could rise as much as 12 inches. Contiguous is right, right?
0: Contiguous, yeah. Same thing
1: contiguous okay contiguous contiguous
0: it's the same thing you can say it either way
1: Next one. Global floods and droughts will intensify sooner than expected, studies show. Next one. Synthetic fibers discovered in Antarctica samples show the pristine continent is now a sink for plastic pollution. Next. A regime shift in the Arctic marine ecosystem that's likely to become permanent. Next one. Sudan experiences worst dengue fever outbreak for more than a decade. World's still on the brink of climate catastrophe after the COP27 deal. And I think still is the key word there. And this article is quickly followed by another article blind. COP27 continues the climate summit ritual of words without action. With that, let's take a little break for another update and then we'll be back to finish this depressing headlines off.
0: I just want to add one thing and it's something I heard that I don't think Most people know. I think most people heard about COP27 happening, but COP27 had the most oil and gas lobbyists of any of the COP meetings to date. It in fact outnumbered almost every national delegation.
1: What? It's crazy.
0: So more than 600 fossil fuel lobbyists swarmed COP27, more delegates than the combined total of 10 countries most impacted by climate change. 636 oil and gas lobbyists registered to attend COP27 event in Egypt, a 25% jump on the number of last year's conference. What? Why? So that was the highest because they want to make sure that whatever's negotiated, they're involved in. And oh they God. everybody there to make sure that their prioritizations are taken into account.
1: Yeah, also an important update.
0: Okay, do you remember that time that India accidentally bombed Pakistan?
1: Yeah, I remember it from that one episode we yeah, did. Yeah, that
0: one episode, I can't remember what it was. I, I meant to write it down, but Bernie ate no. the paper I wrote it on, so here we are.
1: Oh, damn it. I hate it when dogs do that, especially the one I don't have.
0: This actually only came a couple days after the bombing happened and we reported on it, but I wanted to make sure it was included. The India defense, because we said that <laughs> like, Pakistan said their response to it, but India was still waiting for the. We were still waiting for India's response. Here it is. The Indian defense minister told parliament that a review of India's maintenance and safety procedures was underway along with an inquiry into the causes of the launch. Luckily, the apparently accidental launch occurred during a boring Wednesday evening. Sometimes accidents happen despite the best protocol and training. Scott Sagan has argued famously that there are limits of safety both because of the sheer randomness of existence and because of organizational pathologies that manifest even in military units that prize safety as a mission. The new U.S. nuclear weapons and missile safety track record is hardly inspiring. Yet even grading on a curve, India's inadvertent launch stands out. While deadly military accidents were disturbingly common during the Cold War, last week's episode may be the first inadvertent launch of a cruise or ballistic missile by one nuclear power onto the territory of another nuclear power. Additionally, while accidental launches often occur during exercises, their occurrence during routine maintenance is less common. If for no other reason than typically there are numerous physical safeguards to prevent a missile flight in such circumstances. Thus, when a Pershing II misfired during maintenance in Germany in 1985, the missile remained stationary and clamped to its launcher because it was not in a firing configuration. The other disturbing characteristic of this episode is India's apparent lack of haste in communicating with Pakistan about the accident. No state would like for its advanced technology to land in territory of an opponent, in part because of the potential compromise of technology that exploitation of the crash site would offer. Perhaps India hoped Pakistan would simply not notice, or that it wouldn't find the debris. Alternatively, perhaps India was uncertain as to the missile's trajectory. That is not an update at all. You know what? Let's (laughs) pretend this never happened. Continue with your update. Because there is no update in there at all. (laughs) I thought there was. I highlighted that because I thought there was something in there and I skimmed it, but I was clearly (laughs) wrong.
1: Skimming never goes well. No, We should know that by now. Okay, here we go. Measles is now an imminent global threat, who in CDC say in a new report. Flip point. Here's of Sydney water restrictions as only 25% of Warragamba Dam catchment deemed safe to drink from the Australian News and The Guardian. Extensive inland thinning. And speed up of Northeast Greenland ice stream from nature. Buffalo, snow. Western New York digs out from up to six feet of accumulation of snow from CNN. Next bullet point. Over 20,000 died in Western Europe's summer heat waves figures show the climate crisis, The Guardian next one still from the eu 238,000 early deaths due to air pollution in 2020 in a study from dw i don't know what that is next one coal emissions on pace for record setting in 2022 from News. oh that's fun yeah i'll actually have an opener that has to do with coal which i stumbled upon i got a lot of good openers. and it's not
0: nat king coal right putting this
1: together No, no, that would be, yeah, that would be a good update, but this is a depressing update. Next one, record heat over Great Barrier Reef raises fears of second summer of coral bleaching. So those are my most recent climate change lines for you to think about.
0: Okay, in our episode Below Deck on the Cruise Industry, in the intro, we talked about the coming protests in Kazakhstan about clear protests about the government in place due to gas prices that had exceeded 40 cents per liter. Oh, right. American. At that point, you just have to protest and try to get changes in the government. And there have been government reforms since then. I found the most recent thing I could talk about was a statement from the current president of Kazakhstan that came out, I believe it was in November of 2022. So this is directly from the mouth of Kassym Jomart Takayev, who is president of Kazakhstan. In a State of the Nation address earlier this month, I announced I would seek a democratic mandate to implement a vision of a fairer, more open Kazakhstan. And as my country heads to the polls in the coming months, I believe we must resist the instinct to turn inwards amid these turbulent global times. There is simply no viable alternative to globalization, interdependence, and the international rules-based order. And while efforts to reduce dependence and improve resilience are wholly understandable, and in many cases sensible, there's a delicate line to tread as this mustn't lead to a broader reversal of all that has enabled global prosperity in past decades. We have a duty to mitigate risk and reduce fragility in the global system, and we must seek to achieve this by strengthening cooperation, not rejecting it. I say this as a leader of a country that finds itself on the front lines of the threats posed by global fragmentation. Kazakhstan has always been a bridge between east and west, lying at the heart of the Silk Road. We have a 7,600 kilometer border with Russia, an 1,800 kilometer border with China, and an extensive trade link with Europe and the rest of the world. Throughout our history, and particularly since our independence, we've always taken the view that disagreements with neighbours must be approached constructively and they need not lead to a breakdown in communication, cooperation, or trust. As a result, Kazakhstan and Central Asia more widely provide a strong case study of major powers' ability to work in alignment in pursuit of their interests that are to the benefit of their region's people. Moreover, we believe that such principles of openness and cooperation are just as valuable as the international sphere as they are domestically. Indeed, their sphere has defined the path of internal reform that my administration has set out. I'm skipping ahead a little bit just because this is all flowery words. Two weeks ago, I put forward a plan to Parliament for a just and fair Kazakhstan. The plan aims to decentralize decision making, strengthen rule of law, increase international competitiveness, and ensure equal opportunities for every citizen. It aims to fundamentally reshape our political order and leave behind the super presidential system which is no longer the most effective governance model for our nation's ambitions instead we are decentralizing and distributing power throughout the nation strengthening the role of parliament and local authorities we are ushering in a new era of pluralism by abolishing constraints on the registration and formulation of political parties and i have also initiated a single seven-year presidential term, as I believe this is a real breakthrough in developing democracy in Kazakhstan and modernizing it as an advanced country. To date, no state in our part of the world has taken this bold step. All of these changes are helping us move forward toward a new model, a model of a presidential republic with a stronger parliament and more accountable government. This is nothing less than a full transformation of our national politics. Therefore, to move forward with this reform, a strong mandate is needed. That is why I've decided to call a presidential election this autumn and to introduce legislation preventing all future presidents from serving more than one term. There is more to it than that, but I feel like that actually explains most of what they're doing. It actually seems like these protests have been successful. This guy has changed it so that it is not president heavy what the government does and that the president can only serve one term. Cool. Yeah. It actually seems like. Yeah. These protests had actually done what they want to. Good on them. We'll see what's going on in Kazakhstan in the coming years. But yeah, it actually seems like this was successful in what it needed to do. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead, Charles.
1: My update is on the gavel goat, which is... uh, I don't know how to fucking say anything, but anything in English. Let's be honest. But this is the Swedish irresistibly flammable goat. Christmas goat. That's tradition by this point. It just has to get set on fire.
0: Even if it's illegal.
1: Yeah, they don't like it. Like, who can resist it? They're putting it there to be set on fire, let's be honest. So, first update. He's getting a new location, and And you know what, maybe this will help him not get burned this year. Maybe with a new temporary location, it won't get burned this year. I don't know why they don't just put a live camera on it so we can always check on it and then we can see who burns it down. They
0: did, do they not?
1: There's no live camera. All I can find is the inauguration when he got to the new square. So the giant straw goat erected every year in the Swedish city of Gavel is moving away from the city's slots forget square to a new temporary location for the next three years to allow a new cultural center to be built so that's his first adventure of the year and he is still standing. okay that's my update
0: but he does still technically have like a whole month for us
1: he does he still has a lot so it's not a great update
0: And if anything changes between now and when we post this episode, we will make a change.
1: Oh, that's true. We can just
0: record over this.
1: And that's the end of my update.
0: This next update, there's a lot to this update. And it's not necessarily just one article. So I'm just gonna get to it. We did an episode called The Power Grid and the Power Plants are Fuckedio. They were two separate episodes, and we specifically talked about one thing in specific, and that is that the US military will target power plants and power grids when they are in war with other cities, countries, militaries. Chelsea, do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, it is in fact one thing the U.S. military specifically says. They will target power plants if they are at war with somebody, I just wanted to bring up, I didn't put a specific article for this. The Russian military has specifically targeted power plants and the power grid in Ukraine. It is a very cold winter in Ukraine because there is no heat and there is no electricity in most of the country. So they are trying to put up with it. Just so you know, this is not something that would be out of the ordinary for any country being at war with another country. That's just something that will happen. Even if it was the US invading somebody else, say it Canada or Mexico, They would have targeted the power plant so that energy Hmm. could not have gotten out.
1: Yeah, we talked about that on that episode.
0: I feel like it's something that we should explain, at least with what's going on in those countries right now. Now, the article I did find that definitely has to do with that episode. North Carolina County announces curfews as nearly 40,000 customers remain without power after two substantial transformers are damaged by gunfire. This is an article by Tina Burnside posted on December 4th, 2022. Authorities have announced a mandatory curfew in North Carolina and North Carolina County where around 40,000 customers lost power after two power substations were damaged by gunfire Saturday night. The county will implement a mandatory curfew after 5 p.m. until 5 a.m. starting Sunday night, Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Field said at a news conference on Sunday. Municipalities and county officials have formed a plan for the night and the next few nights that we may be out of power. It's a very serious situation, Field said. So we've come to an agreement to best protect our citizens and to protect the businesses of our county. We're going to implement a curfew tonight. A state of emergency went into effect at 4 p.m. Sunday as law enforcement, city and energy officials were investigating the incident and working to restore the two substations, authorities said. Law enforcement has also been providing security 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 for the stations, according to the sheriffs. The power outage is being investigated as a criminal occurrence after crews found signs of potential vandalism at several locations, CNN previously reported. Fields said multiple rounds were fired at the two substations. It was targeted, it wasn't random, he said. No suspects have been identified in connection with the incident, and Fields would not say if the criminal activity was domestic terrorism. The person or persons who did this knew exactly what they were doing, Fields said. do not have a clue why Moore County. Fields acknowledged a woman who posted on Facebook Sunday morning indicated she had been questioned by law enforcement in connection with the incident and Fields did not name the woman but said she posted false information on social media claiming to have information about the incident. We don't have anything, Fields said. When asked about a possible motive, no motivation nor group has stepped up to acknowledge or accept they're the ones who did it. A gate at one of the locations also appears to have been taken off its hinges. What happened, as far as I can tell It was not in this article But I just want to put it forward If it's not true, I will take it back later on There were drag brunches happening in the area So it was domestic terrorism Who was taking the energy grid off So that these could not take place mm. Oh, Yeah, so these Domestic terrorists have now Identified that they can just simply Take the power grid off To stop these things from happening So that's fun Jesus. If that is not true, I will definitely redact it later on. But that is how I understand it at this point. Again, super easy to take the power grid out of commission. Do not fucking do it, though. I am not telling you to do it at all.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be that easy. It shouldn't no, be like this.
0: it really shouldn't be. But here we are. Yeah. Oh, you're going to read stories of my hidden address? Here, I'm going to just shoot this power station and it'll die. And 40,000 yeah. people will be without power for days. Yeah.
1: So Keep here we are. Disturbing.
0: Editor's note, between the recording and the release of this episode, there were four substation attacks in the Tacoma, Washington area on Christmas Day that left thousands without power. Yeah. Chelsea, do you have one more article then to finish off this year?
1: One more to finish off the year. And then I think that'll do it. The American Airlines Phantom Voice.
0: Ooh. Sorry, do I mean, remember? ooh.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. ooh. Uh, that one we all remember it then no update not a single thing has changed since we covered the story
0: okay good update and that's
1: it that's the last update for the year
0: and with that we have been journey to the fringe taylor and chelsea here not making anti-semitic views very clearly known to the world and therefore still ahead of kanye west (laughs) god This might be less relevant when this is actually posted, but it's hilarious at this point. I don't. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. (laughs)
1: Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what